Here we are again then. Where's Jay? Uh, I don't know. It's not a WWE pay-per-view we're doing, is it? <laughs> I think Jay, Jay's had a few too many drinks, I think. Naughty boy. He's, he's a naughty boy. I reckon he may have had a haymaker, which uh, is going to become very relevant. Yeah, we're talking about a drink or an actual punch. <laughs> well, he might have had both. I don't know. I hadn't even seen him for two weeks. Um, yeah, this was... I'm, well, I'm, this episode's easily going to be the best one yet, uh, mainly because none of us are really speaking, and it's somebody, you know, talking that's actually really worth listening to, which is yeah. brilliant. Someone who knows <laughs> what yeah, someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, they're taking us, yeah. what, nearly 40 episodes? That's Yeah, episode 37. No, I was, I was really looking forward to this one. So, obviously, sat down this week, uh, today, as of recording, uh, with Andy Scott, author of London's Lovable Villain. It's um, his book that he's written uh, about his great uncle, Chick Cocky Knight. And, you know, I won't go too much into it now because, you know, I'll let Andy tell the story. But oh, it's, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So we've got that coming up on this episode. Before we dive in, I suppose we should do an intro. Yeah. What's one of those again? It's, it feels like we did, it feels like we'd done them. <laughs> then we had our break. And then we just continued going on. And then we've got to do them again. It's we hit a stride and then, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've, you've tuned in to Three Men, One Full. I can't even speak now. You've one tuned fall. in to Three Men, One Full. That's what we are, isn't it? <laughs> one Full. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it again. <laughs> Three Men, One Full. We're another pro wrestling podcast and we are happy that you have joined us. But who are the two men today? Well, Jay's not here. It's Ashley. Yay. You just pop for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bloody mark. Oh, I'm Russ. Boo. That's I'll take it. It's a reaction. Yeah. Um Yeah, thanks for joining us. This is you have absolutely joined us for a for a great one. Really, really interesting, like I say. Probably not gonna go uh too much, because obviously we really, really just want to get into it so we can, you know, you can all listen to this just amazing story about Chick Knight, but um, some news before we do, Ash. What's uh, well, some sad news actually. Yeah, on um, Saturday morning, Friday night, whichever way you want to go for it. Uh, ECW legend New Jack died of a heart attack. That's out of nowhere. Oh, it's so weird as well because we was just talking um, a few days ago. I was talking with some some other friends. Um, I don't do a podcast with them, Ash. Don't worry. No, don't not. get creative jealousy. Um, Too late now. <laughs> no, is it? We were just talking, though, about the, the Nick Gage episode on Dark Side of the Ring. And, um, you know, then talking about New Jack, obviously, that came up. And literally within, I think, 24 hours of that conversation, you pinged into the chat that we've got saying that uh, he passed away with heart attack. That's... Yeah. In a way, you're not surprised when you know his story. But mm. it's always a, it's always a shock when that actually happens. Yeah. I see Paul Heyman's tribute on WWE, which I think was a nice touch, considering that it never worked for the company. Um, so, no. you know, I, th- I think that was um, pretty classy from Paul. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's probably going to be a lot of tributes throughout the next couple of weeks through uh, the various indie shows and particularly the deathmatch ones. Uh, I'd find it really difficult to believe there wouldn't be. But yeah, really, that's it's sad news. And again, you know, we never like sort of covering that sort of stuff, but... You know, rest in peace to New Jack. Or, well, I guess he probably wouldn't want to rest Jerome. in peace. He probably wants to beat the shit out of people. But. Oh, 
he's kind of controversial, but he's kind of a legend if you know if you know what I mean. Because he's he's a legend way- of that scene. There's yeah. no way you you don't talk about ECW without talking about New Jack either. So no, the, jumping off the balconies, yeah, using all the weapons, which take it take it of, of what you want if you like that kind of stuff or not. But yeah, there are he, he's kind of one of these people you associate with ECW because of of that style. Of the style, but again, like he had so much history there, yeah, and things that are noteworthy that people still talk about today, you know. So, New Jack, I think, I don't know if you'd say underrated because, again, within his scene, he's you know, he, he's a name, he's a name everybody knows, but still unbelievably young like, unbelievably yeah. young 58, was it? I think so, yeah, I mean, that's young. But you see, it, you see it a lot with wrestlers, which is still, you know, it's sad. But um, yeah, oh, to, well, to, to happier news, really. To the well, I say happier news. It's the episode, but <laughs> to to a happy, motivational. I, I, to give you the the kind of intro to it, this really is an inspirational story. I mean, regardless of whether you like wrestling or boxing, because we're going to be going into a lot of that with Andy. Um, regardless of, of where you sit as a sports fan or whatever you might enjoy, this is just a, a story of how you can essentially just have nothing and then just gain everything. Like it, And not just impact your own life, but how you can impact others. And this is, it's really, honestly, even from when I read the book, uh, earlier this year that I've just just been really really looking forward to sitting down and, and getting this interview done because um I I love I love a good motivational story everyone loves a rocky you know everyone yeah. loves a, an underdog everybody loves a, a story of, of somebody who, who comes from the bottom and goes to the top and that's exactly the story I think of, of Chick Knight and it's described as a colorful life and a colorful life it certainly is but without further ado Ash what do you reckon should we get on it yeah let's do it here we go! Wrestling! Can you dig it, sucker, sucker, Got to give the people what they want! People power! You are gonna get the absolute best. much for coming onto the show pleasure pleasure thanks so much for having me no honestly it's um it's an honor to have you on i'm really really excited to discuss uh, not just the book uh, we're going to go into obviously the writing process for that but sure. um really just who chick cocky knight is um yeah. reading through it i mean it's just it's crazy to think that there are probably so many stories especially from that time um that are just going to be lost uh, yeah. in the annals of time because unfortunately there isn't people like yourself that can go through research and then write about it. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, who who exactly is Chick Cocky Knight? <laughs> well, well, Chick was my great uncle um, on my dad's side. He was my nan's brother. Um, grew up in Hammersmith, uh, born there in 1903, um, and. He had quite a big family. He was about nine kids in the family in, in West London. A uh, bit of a sort of turbulent um, childhood towards the, the, the end of his youth. Uh, ended up leaving home. Uh, his mother sadly passed away and his, his dad took up with somebody else. So him and his brother uh, sort of left home and lived rough for, for a bit. Uh, and then one of his sisters um, took him to one side and sort of said, you know, you've got to get yourself sorted out. And they lied about his age um, for him and got him into the army. And he, he went into the um, 1st Battalion Suffolk Regiment. And he would have gone in there roughly around 19. It was after the end of the First World War. So um, the tail end of 1918. And... As you've probably seen in in the book, there's there's a picture of him in his his army uniform, which which looks about three sizes too big for him. <laughs> it's, uh, he, he's he's obviously you know slight in, in build at, at at that time, and and then uh, what what sort of transpired and and unfolded from talking with my cousin Iris, who's chick's chick's daughter. Um, the family archive of pictures came out and just all these wonderful pictures from his time in the services uh, and you literally got a, a picture of his sporting prowess and his build developing him becoming more muscular becoming a champion at wrestling at boxing and surprisingly at fencing as well and the regiment that he was in becoming champions. Um, and, and you literally see Chick sort of developing, you know, um, before your very eyes as the more sort of pictures come out. Um, it, it was hard to, to limit the book to just 28 pages of images. There were so many, but it, I felt it was important to get the ones with the trophies and, you know, the, the, the time when the, when the regiment that he was in, you know, were doing so well. So you sort of got a, a picture of, of him. And obviously the two important ones were the wrestling and the boxing. And obviously he, he sort of took that with him as he, after he, he'd left the, the, the regiment. Um, but, but during his time in the regiment, they served out in Gibraltar and um, saw service out in India as well. So he had the um, the life-saving rescue in, in Gibraltar in the first incident in Catalan Bay uh, in Gibraltar in 1924, where he goes out and swims out 300 metres and pulls a fellow soldier um, back into shore and performs CPR on him. Um, so, you know, definitely brings him back to life, you know. Um, and he's then rewarded uh, he gets a certificate from the royal humane society which gets presented to him by the governor of gibraltar and we've got the piece in the book where he's mentioned in the regimental newspaper and everything as well um and and then what sort of transpired from from researching that 
that soldier that Chick had rescued because you always sort of think, well, okay, he saved somebody's life. Now what happens to to that person? You know, exactly. Yeah. And that 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 guy went on to have a fantastic um, career in the services afterwards, and and was a war hero. You know, um, which is fantastic. Speaking to his. 92 year old son i think it was who never knew anything about that incident at all was was again as you you were saying earlier um you know part of the writing process and researching chick it's one it was wonderful to speak to people not only that knew him um sort of uh, as a friend and uh, as a colleague you know in, in the ring but but as someone uh, who who'd saved their relative's life, you know, and and they were obviously humble, um, and and I was as well, and it became very emotional, you know, because you're talking to somebody who but for chick would would not have been there. So uh, yeah, and and he like I say, he takes the the wrestling and the boxing with him as he as he leaves the services, and initially he. He starts up um, boxing, becomes quite a successful sort of amateur um, mm -hmm. boxer. Um, and then for whatever reason, um, so that's around 1927 when he, when he leaves the, the services. And we've got mm -hmm. these instances of him then doing the, the, the local sort of boxing circuit in Hammersmith and Fulham. Um, and then 1932, bang, he sort of pops up the first record of him fighting but not under the name of Chick. And that's what also made it interesting, but slightly more complicated as well, because, yes. you know, he's he's fighting as the Russian bear, um, Sergei Orlov. And it's only, again, from from um, pictures that I had uh, from, from my dad, and marrying those up with the ones that Iris had, uh, we, we then got... The record of okay, so Chick is Sergei Orlov, the Russian bear. So wherever he's going to pop up on any records, that's Chick. Because um, there was another Russian bear, but fighting obviously around that time, I think. But Chick is is the guy, you know, um, Sergei Orlov. That's him. And then we, we had the wonderful pictures of him, you know, all over the place in India with a. 15 foot cardboard cutout of him you know just fantastic but but yeah so he kicks his he kicks off his professional wrestling career 1932 and then that 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 runs forward so we're we're very much at the forefront of wrestling developing as a as a sport you know and and before obviously all the rules and regulations start coming in to make it more of a a professional sport rather than sort of the all-in bustling uh, sport that it, it was at the time. Mm. Um, Chick's, Chick's there. He, he, he's there at that 1932 as it goes forward, 1937 when all the Lord Mount Evans and the changes come through, you know. Mm. Chick's there. He's, he's very much a, a, a pinnacle of that of that development of the sport, which is it Seems like a wonderful. pivotal role, yeah. And, and I Definitely. The thing which really surprises me with things like that is because, especially with British wrestling, and you yeah. look at that, um, you kind of think of world of sport, 
like you say, you know, we're yeah, looking sort yeah. of between 65 and 85, the run. Um, you know, you've got the names of Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks. Your mum and dads have all said about them. Your grandparents have said about them. They're the, that's the big, it was the boom for the British wrestling period. Yeah. But again, it starts somewhere before that. And mm. it's that area of history that doesn't oftentimes get a lot of recognition. And I can imagine that the research process is really difficult with things like that. Because yeah. again, you don't have social media. You haven't got, you know, the record keeping is as good as probably whoever was keeping them at that time. Um, you know, from, from just a wrestling standpoint alone, it's fascinating to see just how much of a centerpiece Chick was uh, in terms of building upon that to eventually then what it become, well, even now today, but again, that boom period between 65 and 85 uh, is remarkable. But yeah, you said, because um, I, I really do want to touch on, because I what I find most fascinating about writing books uh, or people that are writing books, especially biographical things, everybody says, Andy, they say, it's the worst thing I've ever done. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I don't know why I started it, but they and it's it and that's for people that are doing autobiographies. You know, that's writing about yourself. When you're writing about somebody, like you said, you, you've learned a lot along the way and through this journey of writing the book. Um, but in comparison to what you knew of Chick before even beginning the process, um, and you know, conceptualizing the actual book itself, what? How much did you know about Chick then as opposed to what you know now? Because I, I would imagine it's a vast difference. It, it, yeah, certainly. It, it, it's been a, a massive learning curve. Um, and what was interesting, fantastic, and wonderful, all, all encompassing to actually learn about from, from my family history was obviously the family tree sort of element where we came from we come from Essex and all the connections with that and the help that I got from um, various people who, who have acknowledged in the book um, but also there were little rumours you, you have in each family you have somebody who's obviously a larger than life character which Chick was so you have all these little stories that are associated with that person and we knew the um, the Gibraltar uh, Life Saving Rescue. And so I'm, I wanted to get what information I could with regards to what happened there and who was involved. And so speaking to the Royal Humane Society, the, the archivist there dug the records out and found that. And then he goes, um, Andy, he says, I've Chick's full name, Arthur Richard George Knight, he said, I've got another incident here six years later, which is the, the Hammersmith double rescue. Um, he said, it all matches up. He said, it's definitely Chick. Now, all we had as a family was a rumour that um, at one point Chick had gone into the river in, in the Thames. And... Uh, somebody had said, oh, he saved somebody. Chick's own daughter, Iris, said, oh, I bet you he jumped in because he was a bit drunk coming back from the pub or whatever <laughs> and wanted to avoid getting arrested by the police. So even she didn't know um, about this. And then when it all evolved and unraveled, um, all the bits and pieces of the jigsaw were slowly getting put into place. Um 
all the record came out with regards to that. There was nothing in the local papers, bizarrely, uh, with regards to that incident. Hence the campaign to get in recognition with the council. With that. Um, so the only uh, references I was finding was the little bit in the obituary um, that was in the West London Gazette, where they do actually mention it. Um, and then there was other um, sort of references that were that were made in maybe some of the, the, the fight um, promotion or whatever, you know, it was a, a lifesaver and this kind of thing. Um, so to be able to get verification of that incident and then you get the hard task of, okay, uh, we then, as we did with the Gibraltar incident, try and find out what happened to those people. Mm. And we'd gone so far down the writing process, we were on the very final proofread. And again, you know, as, as you... Uh, alluded to just now, you know, the, the whole writing process, there has to be a point where you go, okay, enough is enough, you know, I don't think we can go any further. And I had to do that with the, the wrestling fight history, because I got close to a 1000. And even the historians that were checking what records they had, um, where Chick has mentioned the same, Andy, you've done an excellent job. I think that's I think you've cracked it sort of thing. So we was on the final proofread and a good friend of mine, uh, Martin Knight, who's done the um, back cover um, acknowledgement for me. Uh, he owned his own press cutting agency and he was doing a proofread for me as well. And he said, uh, Andy, he said, I think I've, because I tried, my hardest uh, through what access to records that I had to try and trace uh, Dorothy, Dorothy Fulger, the, the young girl that the mm. chick had rescued. Nothing was coming up whatsoever. Uh, Martin came on and said, I think I've found um, Dorothy. He said, I, I think I've got a record of a marriage in Hammersmith. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's her that, that sort of, uh, it all sort of tallies up go back in, speak to my guy who's been doing the ancestry, uh, helping me with the ancestry stuff. He tracks Dorothy uh, and subsequent um, children that, that she has. And from that, we get addresses. And from that, uh, drop them a line on the off chance that, A, they are still at those addresses because we're going through census records, etc. you know suddenly get a phone call um hi you don't know me but i've just received your letter and um i'm dorothy's son and that was like well getting a bit emotional now but um that was just fantastic and he just went we knew about it he said my mum had um mentioned it uh, that she'd been rescued in the thames in 1930 she didn't know who had, had done it, who, who, who saved her. Um, but uh, it transpired that she had, from that day sort of forward, uh, 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 a fear of going anywhere near or, or in the water at all. 
and he said, Andy, we, knew, we, we never knew um, like the full extent of what had happened. She never detailed it. She never talked about it. Uh, and he said, it, 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 you know, we are, him and his two other siblings, he said, we are here because of your great uncle Chip, which again is, you know, amazing. But to have had, that was obviously, that then led to that sort of chapter being, hastily re rewritten before we before we went to press because obviously that had to be included um but it was yeah. tremendous to be able to say we found what happened to to dorothy you know and and what she what she went on to to you know have a family you know and and again so you have a marriage you have three siblings and that's all you know from chick going in rescuing her, pulling, pulling her out, and then going back in to pick up the guy that had initially gone in to, to rescue her. Sadly, we weren't able to find him or his relatives, but to find what happened to Dorothy was, was just incredible. So, uh, That's, yeah. It is amazing. I think, I mean, you <laughs> you telling the story, Andy, it's, it seems overwhelming um, mm. just hearing that. I think when you, you know, it's a, that stroke of good luck to, mm. to have that call come through. Mm. Um, but I, I did want to ask, because obviously with having those sort of conversations, um, I mean, I can only really imagine just how emotional that's, that is. Mm. Because mm. as you said, you, it sounds sometimes, it's, it's one of those things, oh, well, you know, we didn't really know much about it. We knew this happened and this happened. Yeah. But, you know, the gravity of the situation is, like you said, these people are here because of Chick's actions. And the amazing campaign that you've been uh, really, really pushing for to have the plaque at Hammersmith, where he saved obviously the lives of two people um, from drowning in the, in the Thames there. That's obviously going really well. I know we'll touch on that in a bit, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think in terms of when you're speaking to, to these people and you're having that conversation, what, I mean, the writing process aside, Andy, what's that like? I mean, if you... What's it like to have that conversation? You're doing this research, you're speaking to these people and they're expressing their gratitude. Um, mm. what, what, what is that feeling like when you're speaking to somebody like this in that, in that it, regard? It, it, it was just incredible because all sorts of things go through your head um, because you, you, you think uh, we have to meet up at some stage, you know, with, with these people and, and we sort of touched on that and we're definitely going to to get together um and then you sort of think well um again you know but for chick i wouldn't be having this conversation with that person and whatever they've done in in their life prior to us having that conversation again as as has been for the fact that they're on this planet thanks to thanks to chick you know? yeah uh and it, and it is it is a it was incredibly emotional. It was that conversation was more emotional than the one with um, with the soldier's uh, relative, just because obviously he didn't know anything about the incident at all. They, the family of Dorothy, had obviously the knowledge of the incident, so they knew you know it, it definitely happened, um, and were able to to give their thoughts on it, you know. Um, and share with me what uh, uh, you know what what feelings they had a, a, about it, and and obviously what their mother had, had 
what little information their, their mother had, had shared at the, at the time. But yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having worked as a journalist for, for many years and spoken to many people over the time. I've, I can honestly say, hand on the heart, I, I had never had a conversation like that with somebody before. Um, but yeah, it was, it, 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 it was, I suppose because you've gone through all the process of um, actually proving that that incident happened uh, in terms of it initially being a rumour that it may or may not have happened and whatever went on. So you add the, the gravitas to, to that. You then get the record come out that, uh, from the original files, which details the incident. So that sort of rubber stamps that bit. And then you go on the research trail to dig around and try as hard as you can to find out what happens to these people. So then you, you, we'd sort of thought, you know, I think we've gone as far as we can with it. We're probably not going to find out, sadly, what happened to them. Um, and then right at the very crux of it, uh, on that final proof, to get, I mean, I'll be eternally grateful to Martin for, for having access to those files to, uh, to throw that up. Um, and just then... It snowballed because, again, it's it's like the stepping stone sort of process, I suppose. We, we had all these little snippets of information, little nuggets along the way with regards to Chick and what he did. And with each sort of section, with each chapter, the nuggets sort of grew and, and um, they sort of evolved into a much larger chunk of his life. So each piece just evolved, uh, which which was brilliant, you know, because um, with the age that Chick or the era that Chick was fighting in, so the 1932 to 58, um, when you went, initially went on, when I very first off sort of decided, okay, Chick's going to be the, the next book sort of thing, um, the records were thrown up only around somewhere between 30 or 40 odd fights. And you sort of think, well, in 26 years, he's got to have fought a dance more, than, more that, than that. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the names uh, that are around there, particularly obviously the likes of one gentleman who pops up <laughs> numerous times in the book is Bert Azarati. Um, and you can go, even now, you can go onto the website that's been set up for him. There's no mention of Chick. None at all. Mm. And that's quite sad. Um, yeah. and, and that was quite sad with regards to the wrestling uh, stuff that was out there for the period that we're, that we're talking about and that we concentrate on, on in the book. And that came out at the end when the book had been published. Because people had very kindly said, you know, Andy, you've done Chick justice because there's never been anything about him before. Um, and I hope that sort of corrected uh, that element of wrestling history uh, to say he, he was there. You know, this guy fought Bert Azarati 
and others, you know, your Douglas Clarks and whoever, um, countless times, you know, you mentioned these, these, these big name guys, um, and these, some of these guys that went on to obviously become champions and whatever. Sure. Um, and Chick's there, he's, he's battling away at them. All right. He, he might not win, uh, or draw or whatever, quite often being disqualified for his tactics along <laughs> the way. Um, but, uh, he, he's, He's in there, and he's going up in in weight as as you go through the years. So he goes from sort of sixteen, I think, sixteen stone initially when he starts, right up to eighteen to twenty um, when he when he finishes. Um, so yeah, you know, and he's one of the first British wrestlers on TV, nineteen thirty eight, um, when for whatever reason they they obviously start. Um, throwing out sport on tele television. Um, mm. Obviously, BBC is 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 an, a new sort of um, product for the for the media there, so they want to mm. start flagging things up. And you have the Canadian champion El McGreedy come over and chick fights him at Earl's Court. And then later that year, you've then got this bizarre contest where Chick takes on former uh, heavyweight champion Billy Wells, who comes out of retirement um, initially, or supposedly, to make a comeback. And you have one of the first televised uh, boxer v. wrestler contests, which, all right, might only last two minutes, 30 seconds, I think it was. <laughs> but Chick's, Chick's um, claim in, in that was... He put um, Billy Wells down. You know, his, his, um, his trademark move, uh, his trademark wrestling punch, if you like, was, was the haymaker. And a haymaker hits Billy Wells and wins him and puts him down on one knee. <laughs> that, so Cheeks had said, oh, I won that, you know, and he gets disqualified for a low punch. Yet it's actually a move that theoretically he should have been allowed to, to use, you know. Because Billy Wells is is boxing with his gloves on, you know. Right. He hits in in that first um, few seconds of footage that you've got on Pathé News, depending which um, ones that you start to watch, you can see Chick taking several head punches from Billy Wells. And even at the age that he was at the time, he's still going to back a bit of a wallop. And Chick's, Chick's up there and basically going for Wells all of the time throughout this thing. So, uh yeah, this is again. Obviously, that's a, a, a shame that um, that never went Chick's way. But again, uh, you know, when you have the likes of Conor McGregor and Muhammad Ali before him doing boxing the wrestler contest, Chick is one of the first. You know, easier. That's what's surprising because you you do find that those, <laughs> especially the the Ali one um, mm. with Antonio Inoki, that's probably gets the the most amount of, of acclaim i suppose for being one of the most uh, famous or infamous depending on your on your take of it but <laughs> i think it, i think that is a byproduct of the time though do you think do you, with with chick i think that sort of period of history like i said if it wasn't for you going through the effort of piecing together the the incredible story and you as you read through the book and hopefully as everybody watching and listening will do um when you go out and get the book and you go through it you'll see this yourselves but it's 
it, you can feel the book taking on its life of its own and mm. you discovering these things as you're reading through the book, it becomes more and more interesting as you're going through it. You just think, how much more has, has this guy done? It just, it feels <laughs> like it's just, there's so, so much. And that's, it's really daunting to think that that couldn't, if you hadn't have written this book, could have been lost forever. Sure. Um, yeah. But Andy, the, uh, to touch on the, um, the sort of fight history mm. that you've, put together in the book and I know you said yeah. you've received some praise and Andy rightfully so it's so difficult even um in today's standards for people to uh, keep track of sort of every match they've had or every fight that they've had and to go back from a career like you said that was starting in the very early 1930s yeah. and to piece together the pages upon pages of what you've got in there with the detail that's there is honestly it's, it's remarkable mm. and it's a really really fascinating read it's a really fascinating read. The boxer and wrestler thing. Yeah. Now, obviously, he do, he, he has dabbled, as he said, he dabbles in, in amateur boxing. Mm. And a lot of this is picked up through his time um, that he said, so when he's joined the armed forces, he's picked up a lot, particularly there's, there's a lot of this that goes on in India. Is that right? Yeah. So in terms yeah. of his time in India, um, when you're sort of researching that element and this career through the armed forces, uh, Aside from the Gibraltar, obviously, the amazing life-saving feat there, you're looking at the, the time spent picking up the boxing career. And he's, he's gone from this, like you said, he's been at home. He's been homeless at one point. He signed up underage, lied about his age, got in, and he's just built this entire career and life for himself. Mm. In terms of him getting into the boxing, when he was researching that side of things, um, how did that compare with the wrestling side? Did you find that there was it was easier to go through with the boxing fights? Or was it a bit more challenging? Because I think boxing probably gets a lot more coverage from than yeah. wrestling did at that time, but yeah. still much harder to go through, especially when it's things like fights in India and within, you know, the army essentially, then yeah. at this point in time. Was that any easier at all? Or well, it was made incredibly easier. And, and the only thing to make me, um, let me say, to make me think that Chick might have dabbled further in boxing was literally going on a hunch um, because uh, what happened was there was some bits and pieces coming out in the wrestling um uh, promotional bits that come out so the stuff that goes onto the posters obviously they they try and bury it and then the little snippets that you get in the newspapers so pre the fight and post the fight they tend to sort of reference things about um the fighters in there so chicks sort of gets um reference with uh champion in the indian army that kind of thing and it came out that um there was a mention of a champion boxer. And I thought, well, I, I, obviously I, I found this um, poster of, of him coming back out of, of the army. So around sort of um, early 19, I think late 1920s, sorry, um, when he's in Fulham in a, in a charity bout. And I thought, oh, okay, hold on a minute. Maybe he, I don't know, for whatever reason, might have, look to get the gloves back on at some stage roll forward i'm watching a documentary about the late great freddie mills 
and a gentleman pops up there, Miles Templeton, who writes for Boxing News. And he's a boxing historian and he's got his own website. So I get in touch with Miles, again, going on a hunch, thinking, you know, I've got this poster of Chick, you know, saying that um, he did a boxing match, etc. But I want to, I'm doing the book. Um, I want to find out if Chick might have gone pro at any stage. Sure, no problem, Andy. Um, obviously, sorted out some uh, research bits and pieces. He said, I'll go through my records for you. So it turns out in 1935 to 1936, and again, for whatever reason, unbeknown to us and the, the family, Chick turns pro boxer for a year. So in between, the, or whilst the wrestling career was going on, he, he turns pro boxer. Um, has about, I think it's about seven fights in total, one of which was against the former champion, Reggie Main. Uh, I think that's his last fight, actually. Um, so, again, that was something we never knew anything about. The family never knew anything about. And there was a reference in one of the, I think it was one of the write-ups or something that Miles had, had found where he, he said, I think we've got something with regards to Chick and the police. And there was a close, there's always been, again, referencing the family, there's always been this close association between Chick and the local police. For whatever reason, um, you know, um, maybe he knew somebody or whatever. Um, but I got in touch with their people that were responsible for uh, sport and for, for boxing in particular. Uh, two guys uh, that, that do all their bits and pieces. And so Chick was the uh, police H division uh, champion. And that competition is still running to this day. And so, yeah, so when I spoke to them, um, they they said to me, well, Chick must have been a heck of a boxer at that time because that they said now the, uh, the championship is held, the finals are held at the O2, I think it is, and crowds are between sort of two to 3,000 will turn up for it. But each division has its own representative and they go up against uh, each other. The H division, I think was was Whitechapel, which is where um, the Jack the Ripper, uh, where the police were responsible for that investigation were, were based out of. Hmm. So again, sort of, you know, ask yourself, well, why was Chick fighting in, with, with that sort of thing? I, I don't know, but anyway. Um, so it's quite a, a hard contest to win, apparently. Um, all the divisions put up, as I said, their their uh, representatives. So Chick would have had to go on through quite a process to get to the final of that, and then obviously to to win it, um, which again is is a, a fantastic um, achievement. Yeah, it is. Um, it's definitely a feat in itself. And and so he was he was quite um, significant in his in his prowess at, at that sport as as well as the wrestling side. So he, he when 
when they say a, a, a haymaker, um, it must have packed a hell of a... <laughs> it must have. Well, I mean, if it's rock the boxing world as well as the wrestling, then there's no <laughs> doubt about it. I think it, it is, it's, it's hard, isn't it, really? Because like you said, there's there's certain points where it's, it's gone from, you know, essentially, uh, you know, taxis to army. Mm. There's mm. wrestling, there's boxing, there's films. Um, yes. It's just, he's jumped from, you know, all these things. I mean, you, you get this idea and this picture of Chick, especially, particularly when you're reading, you just get this idea that it's sort of, you know, he's done this, he's conquered it, he's going to move to the next thing, you know. And with, I mean, obviously a physical specimen, like you said, you can see throughout the, the photos and he becomes, you know, pretty much a mountain of a man, uh, yeah. which makes, again, the I think the, the swimming uh, strengths of him, obviously, which yeah. he then later on becomes a, a lifeguard, um, makes it all the more um, incredible, really, to see, yeah. you know, this, like I said, a mountain of a man, I think, coming towards you. You know, I would have thought if it was me, I, I would feel, I would feel very safe, Andy, to be honest, if I saw it. But the the jumps around and things, because I, I do want to touch on the films, because um, yeah. looking through, the, so he's appeared in Night in the City. Well, or, well, or, or at least he was an advisor uh, yeah, for the. It, he was involved with Mickey Woods, hmm. and when Iris went through the contacts book, um, Mickey Woods' name came up, which fitted because um, we knew that Chick was a stuntman. We knew he'd been in a couple of films. Um, the Wicked Lady was one where he was doing stunts for. He was closely tied in with Riverside Studios um, in terms of a proximity where he lived, and I think he'd done security work for them as well, but then sort of fallen into doing the extra work and then obviously got involved in the stunts. Incredible. And Mick... Mickey Woods had his own, I think he had a crew of around 200 to 300 stuntmen on his books. And a lot of them, Mickey Woods was a wrestler and ex-wrestler himself. Uh, so a lot of his crew were ex-wrestlers, which made sense because obviously they know how to fall properly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Chick, Chick gets involved, certainly in, um, in the film side. And that, again, that was... That was really, really difficult. Um, and again, a lot of the time we had to go on hunches and sort of sit through hours, or I had to sit through hours of black and white films trying to trying to spot this hulk of a man and, you know, pausing some of it and rewinding it back. And is that chick? I'm pretty sure that is. Uh, you had the connections, obviously, with the likes of Flanagan and Allen, um, who, who popped up on uh, adjoining bills when where Chick was fighting. So I, again, going on a hunch, was he connected with them in any way? Yes, he appeared in one of the, one of the films with, with them. And then you had, there's, there's the tremendous picture, um, which is with uh, backstage with Joseph Locke and Ben Morris, and they're all sort of you know, shaking hands on Brian Forbes as well. And so Chick is very much a celebrity. Um, and ob obviously these people know him. There's no other reason why Joseph Locke uh, would have come back to backstage afterwards to, to meet Chick other than meet, you know, uh, a celebrity of the time of the, of the ring sort of thing. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so uh, getting back to the, the film, unfortunately a lot of the studios don't keep records going back that far. Uh, speaking to the guys at 
Evening Studios who've got their own um, sort of setup there. They uh, didn't keep records, unfortunately. Um, the stunt people that we were in touch with, the chairman knew of Chick, um, but that basically that was as far as, far as it went. Um, and so again, it was just a question of trying to piece in um, and join the dots with the likes of what sort of set the path rolling or set the ball rolling rather was um, the Diner Doors link uh, because there was the, we had the rumour that Chick had lent Diana his car for when she got married to Dennis Hamilton at Westminster and then strangely Diana pops up in various films with wrestlers or connected with where wrestlers are involved and again it was sort of going okay is chick involved in some way and watching through the footage of of those so i think you've got the likes of um okay for sound uh, going from memory um was a, a, another one uh, and there's there's probably more it's just a question of we weren't able to you know go through as as many as as you would like and unfortunately because of the extra work at the time um and the appearances the one this morning trouble brewing uh is only that we know about um speaking part um again it, it's uncredited so you know it's not listed anywhere so most oftentimes is the case i think from yeah. from films especially around that period as well where it's, it's kind of peak uh, film noir which yeah. again you know and very popular sort of especially you know um, post-war as well but um, you know you've got your favorites like Maltese Falcon, Double Indemnity yeah. all of those I mean to go through black and white films I mean I, I wouldn't personally mind it but when you're you know to watch them <laughs> that's absolutely fine to uh, to try and pick out people in the background I think is a different yeah. story but yeah. it is so many are uncredited and that's why I imagine it's just made your job a lot harder I think still yeah. this is a passion project though more than anything yeah. isn't it because yeah you know, you, you go through, you're looking through all of these different things. You have to put the work in, obviously, but you take like what you're saying. And a lot of it seems to be built on what you're saying is just a hunch. You know, mm. you've got a hunch that this has happened here. So the boxing has got him famous. The wrestling he's, he's got him famous. This has probably allowed him to open the doors up into these other uh, ventures, you know, predominantly then the film industry and stuntman work, which yeah. is quite surprising that more wrestlers don't end up as stuntmen. Uh, for exactly for the reason that you said, to be honest, yeah. because they can take those films. But, you know, I think a celebrity is probably one of the best words you could probably use to, descri uh, to describe Chick, really. Yeah. And for that definitely. time, but almost, again, with nobody keeping any records, um, this is this essentially is now his new claim to fame in the, in the <laughs> yeah. 21st century. And it's, it is through your book. Um, Thank you. No, the, brilliant okay. one, the brilliant one was the which again came up through going through the newspaper archives and I, I forget what the headline was when a, when you go through the newspaper archives little um, snippets get um, drawn out so you, your, your search criteria you, you have to narrow it as much as possible this one piece popped up in the West London Gazette and I think the story below it what sort of threw me was it was talking about a fate 
and I thought it, it, it started sort of started off twenty stone former wrestler, and then the bit below was about opening of a fate, and I thought, oh, chicks, uh, and because it was local, I thought, oh, well, chick being where he where he was situated, I thought, oh, he's he's gone to open a local a local fate or whatever, you know, um, and that was the uh, nightclub incident from 1959 which put the, the, the stamp on the door work mm. uh, and that reading that um, again is just incredible and then what sort of emerged and the way I've sort of pieced it together to let the reader make up their own mind with regards to the connections with that um, piece and chick's door work you know is entirely up to them as but there's more than several connections there that the nash story that comes out literally less than three weeks after that piece that's sort of alluding to door work and protection work and everything that looks that, that sort of goes on and then obviously you've got billy hill situated less than half a mile down the road from where Chick is in Barnes as well. And and then the Princess Margaret uh, security work at Kensington Palace. And you just think, wow. Uh, and the connections there between Tony Armstrong Jones and, and Billy Hill. Um, so yeah, that, but that story, um, when, when you read it, you know, the, the seeing off the, the the thugs razor wielding and knife wielding thugs on the on the door. It's just. <laughs> I think that's I, someone like Chick probably would have encountered something like that quite often. Do you think? Because sure. yeah. with um, again his size and stature, and especially if you know being a celebrity at this point in time as well, and you know you're going to be known for boxing, you're known for wrestling, you're working on the doors, you know you're you're working security, especially through that time. Some people are chances, aren't they? They're going to try their luck and see how they they probably fare. It might be a good story for the for the boys. Took down the boxing champion. I can't imagine it. They they got very far with it. Um, <laughs> probably as far as about uh, to the floor when he threw them down. But yeah, I yeah. think <laughs> I, with, with Czech, because again, I mean, I I've put a lot of these, uh, written a lot of things from the book in here as well to go through. But I was going to ask Andy. I think. If you was to say somebody's picked up this book, obviously we've come along to it from a wrestling a uh, aspect. And again, really fascinating for anybody that's interested, especially with British wrestling, I would recommend to read this anyway, because it does cover that, that period of history that isn't really spoken about very much. Um, from a bo uh, boxing aspect, there's a lot in there. From anybody that maybe, you know, maybe you're not a wrestling fan or a boxing fan, and you just want to pick this up because you're interested, uh, maybe from the local area, you want to know about essentially a local hero, um what do you think when you're reading it is is it I, I, I say a message but what do you think kind of the message would be in that because i've read that andy and i've i've looked at it and gone right so here's somebody then who's essentially come from not necessarily from nothing but i mean literally the bottom of the barrel mm. being homeless to somehow all over the world champions becomes this you know skinny kid becomes a huge amount of a man lifeguard uh army wrestler boxer film stuntman doorman taxis i you know i mean some people 
have one job for their whole lives, don't they? <laughs> you know, and then you look at something like this, and it's it's extraordinary. You you was labelling this as he's got a colourful life, and mm. I think that really is the, probably the best way to put it. But mm. is there a do you think for somebody that would pick up this book, you know, is that a motiv- is it in a motivational kind of story? Would you say it's an inspirational? Yeah, I I hope so. Um, it certainly was to me. Yeah. Um, there's a few traits in there that I recognise of um, that I recognised in myself uh, yeah. with 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 Chip, and that's, that's not that's not surprising given the family connection. Sure. Um, but I I think yeah I I would say um, certainly believe that nothing is impossible yes. really, um, and from again researching particularly uh the hammersmith incident and the gibraltar incidents and the the tides and the you know what the rivers and um, what catalan bay was like at that time um the belief he must have had in himself to go in and save those people knowing that there was a possibility that he could drown and obviously they could as well but believing that he it was something he had to do obviously Mm. um and then to have done it and there was uh from speaking again with 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 friends who 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 knew him and and remember him from from um, being in the pub and whatever they were things that he very rarely spoke about um you know he was obviously very humble and, and Iris says that as well. He was very much a gentle giant. Yeah. You know, he might be the thug in the ring or the villain in the ring and, you know, the, the bouncer on the door or whatever. But obviously when he was at home, it was a completely different different story. Um, I think that know, does translate very well. Yeah, in, there's, in there's the pictures book. of him in the, in the back garden, um, you know, um, sort of peeling prawns. And, and yeah, like I said earlier, there was far too many to uh, to be able to include, sadly. Um, there's pictures of him helping out in the local pub, back garden, obviously fitting up scaffolding for an event or whatever. Um, there was, there's the fantastic tale, which, um, again, has been told to me by a couple of people. So I'm going on the hunch. It is true that mm. for a dare, one Sunday morning... Um, he gets up, he's got his trousers and his vest on, he puts a sombrero on, which apparently used to be a, a something that was always in the in the living room at, at, um, at Castlemore. And presumably it's quite low tide, but he swims across the other side of the Thames, goes into the pub absolutely dripping wet, still with a sombrero on his head, <laughs> orders, orders a pint and obviously picks up the, the bet that it, it was for, to do it. And goes back home you know just like, <laughs> incredible that's brilliant <laughs> I, yeah. it's, it's lo- I, I love stories like that but I, I particularly just love the stories in general um in the book and like I say and I think a message that I took away from it especially through the last 12 months that we've all been having it's been an incredibly tough time yeah um yeah, for a lot of different sure. people obviously you know with everything going on but you know it's it's a really pleasant read uh 
just to again i think from what you said you really really can't like you have to you have to bet on yourself and it certainly seemed that chick just knew his worth took a chance mm. on himself and i think more than anything he he wasn't af- afraid to take the leap no. in in any situation like you said you know with uh, going to save people's lives i mean that's not something you stand in and sort of debate is it i mean you no. straight in yeah. Um, yeah but you know he's not afraid to take any bets on himself and i and i really think that's an important message that I think people probably need now more than ever. Mm. Um, you know, I think you really, really do need to, to take a chance on yourself and believe in yourself. And really anything is possible. You can honestly come out for any situation, regardless of the, the hand that you've been dealt. And, you know, make something of yourself. And yeah. this, this is a trend, really, Andy, through your family. I was going to touch on really quickly. It's not your first mm. book, of course. No. Yeah. Um, but your, your family, I mean, it's just a really incredible story. I need to read... <laughs> Um, your first book, but it's after reading this because it's just incredible. And, I, and I, it's your family just seems to be Andy. Um, just, I think I don't, I, you get the American dream. I don't think we've, we don't have the British dream, do we? But I think if we did, I think that your family would personify that Andy, to be honest with you. Thank you. Thank you. No, well, it's, got the, it's inspirational. Thank you. Thank you very much. We, we've got the American relatives itching to see us in September. Mm. Uh, so we, they're going to be, fingers crossed, um, all carries on going as it is. Um, in September, we're going to be out in New York to uh, hook up with the stateside uh, side of the um, the Knight family who've, who've got their copies of the, of the book and have loved reading about Chick uh, as much as I love writing about him. And... Um, and Tuesday, uh, we've got the Haymaker cocktail launching, uh, which is going to be... I was going to come to it, Andy. Like its, like its name, uh, having tasted it a, uh, a week or so ago, <laughs> it, it packs a wallop. It really does. <laughs> I think with the ease of the lockdowns coming up, uh, obviously by the time everybody's hearing this uh, and seeing this, of course, we should be having some, some ease to the lockdown what better way to celebrate being able to go out there than yep. I suppose having a drink that you probably caused you to forget the night. Um, <laughs> no, in all honesty though, it's, it's, I, I think that again, that's really, really, really cool. Where yeah. can people get the Haymaker? Because obviously I will need to be coming down to London at some point and I yep. will need to find where I can taste this beverage, Andy. So where right. would I find so, the Haymaker? Well, so Sam's Riverside, restaurant and bar is on the Thames side on the Hammersmith Thames side of the of the river it's literally next door but one to Riverside Studios funny enough so if you're Brilliant. if you're on the if you're on the river and outside having a haymaker you're looking at Hammersmith Bridge the scene of the incident um which the the cocktail is sort of in tribute to um that's brilliant and um, yeah, so the larder um, store at the rear of the restaurant is actually stocking and selling um, the book. Uh, it's available in Barnes Bookshop on the other side of the river where, where Chick uh, used to live. So and they're selling very well in there as well. Um, so those are the two outlets in London. It's available in the Loughton Bookstore out by me um, in Essex. Uh, the Backpage Sports Bookshop in Newcastle uh, from the Northeast Connection and uh, on eBay. Um, I'm hoping 
Amazon will uh, click in at some point. Um, but um, I was going to say, indie- I, I saw that it all sold out, and I was going to have to say to everybody, if you want this book, <laughs> you need to get on it pretty quick because it is selling. Um, <laughs> it is. We, we, we're 170 copies uh, since mid-Jan launch. And over 20, over 20 of them have gone to the States. Uh, not all family, um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's been brilliant. And the response and the reviews, I mean, we've been in Boxing News when um, Alex Daly did the piece about the Boxer v. Wrestler, the, the contest with Billy Wells that we that we talked to. Um, yeah, so um, we, we've had tremendous coverage, which has been, been great. The feedback mm. has been brilliant. Guys like yourselves doing the podcasts, I've done countless ones of ones of these now, and, and every time they're, they're, they're fantastic to do. And um, it's just another way of getting coverage about the book and getting um, pe- more people knowing about about cheap. And the more the more the better, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. For me, especially with the stories that are in there, I, that, that's what makes doing these kind of things um, really pleasant and worthwhile, because too often you see today anyway especially with people with platforms it can be unfortunately sometimes used in a very negative manner and it's just it's yeah. it's really yeah. really refreshing to be able to go through and speak to somebody and, and it's just nothing but good and motivational stuff andy um no i yeah. do you want to just touch on we mentioned about the plaque um yeah. because obviously now everyone knows where to go for your for your haymakers <laughs> we'll put the link down below um yep if Andy, I'm sure we'll be all right to do that, but we'll yes, I'll pop yep. some links down everywhere you can get uh, obviously the book and where you can have a nice beverage from uh, from Monday when you can go out. Well, you can sit indoors, sit outdoors, take it home, I suppose, whichever you want to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the plaque. So we, we started yep. that then. You, you started the, yep. the petition. You wanted yep. the plaque on the Hammersmith Bridge to um, obviously yep. commemorate and give um, recognition to the fact that it, this incredible life-saving feat. And... Mm. That was uh, last time I checked. Was I think was at four hundred and I think maybe forty eight. Yeah, I think we're around, four, like we're, we're around think, the four four fifty mark. Yeah, which is which and is we've amazing. Gone, um, we've gone through. We're on a, a since it launched. It's been going two years now. The the campaign, the petition sort of launched last year. I think it was. Um, but we've gone through two mayors of Hammersmith and Fulham um, to uh, to get this far. This last mayor, uh, the, the current mayor, sorry, uh, Councillor Murphy, has, has been fantastic in terms of dialogue and engagement. So um, please, God, he sticks by his, his promise to um, to put this, this plaque uh, on. And what, what it, where it will be, obviously, because now, sadly, um, the bridge is currently closed to all and sundry. Um, they're talking about a bench uh, situated very close to the bridge. And I, from dropping into Sam's Riverside Restaurant, I found there's a group of three, funnily enough, just literally a stone's throw from the restaurant and you're very close to the bridge um, where it would it would sit perfectly. Um, so hopefully that, that, that will be done there. Again, we've just got to decide. Obviously, the the wording um, they've got to give the the um, rubber stamp to the date and, and finalise that, etc. But it, it's all been given the green light, um, so it went through like a due diligence process that they had sure. to do. Um, 
with this and and, and the next thing is is that there's been gentle pressure um, from when I commenced this um, this process with, with, with writing the book on Gibraltar um, to hopefully do the same. Chick was up for two consecutive uh, life-saving awards in the Mayor's Awards, but um, sadly was overlooked. And Gibraltar Heritage have now said that they're looking into recognition um, for him. And given the the comments I've had with regards to Catalan Bay and how treacherous that water, that water is, hopefully that will be recognised because as far as I know, Chief is the only person to have saved somebody in that bay um, throughout the years. So uh, and I know there's, there's a good deal of support on the Gibraltar side for it um, to happen as well. So, yeah, hopefully that, that will be the, the, the rubber stamp on, on it to get those two pieces of, um, of recognition done uh, and, and that will, no, I, that will I really, definitely, I that will definitely do that justice. Does. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think the just, I mean, the justice has been served in your book, Andy, mm. and mm -hmm. I think all the effort that it goes through, I can only really imagine, to be honest, um, it's probably a quite a hard-fought battle um, sometimes to try and have these uh, these things go through and to get the green light, uh, to have that on a bench. It sounds as though that's, it has almost sort of fallen together quite well because it's all situated around that same area yeah um, it yeah. just feels like the universe wanted you to make this book andy um <laughs> i think it, it wanted you to get this done and i'm really pleased that you have um it's fantastic thank you what, i think in closing uh andy because i'm just conscious of your time and i'm really grateful for the amount sure. of time you spent with me no today yeah. um i think in terms of sending people home with a clear message obviously we're going to say where you can get your book and people will be getting this book Andy, what is next for this? Because we had a little uh, tiny Twitter interaction and we were mm. nudging Netflix. Are we saying, I mean, what are we saying? <laughs> are, we, are we saying that we're going to get this over? How far do you think this can go? Because there's, I don't think there's ever, ever going to be enough coverage for people that, you know, do the work like Chick's done. And when it comes to saving people's lives, like we said, we've gone through, yep. and, and you, you've gone through some really amazing things. Yep. You know, how far can you go? Well, I, I had the feeling, and the more I went into the writing process with the book, and the further it got down the line, um, and the things that were coming out, um, it just dawned on me. I, I thought, I think there's a film here, um, you know, and having seen some of the films that have been out there, like The Wrestler, a um, couple of other um, other films about boxers and whatever that uh, have involved their life story as well. Um, mm. I sort of thought, well, maybe a documentary, I don't know. But funny enough, a documentary maker did get in touch. Um, and as far as I know, he said he passed it on to um, a film guy, a filmmaker, uh, a friend of his, um, because from the documentary aspect obviously sadly there's not enough footage of chick around to be able to do that justice which i fully understand and, and you know of course uh, that, that that's fine but i think a, a film most definitely um in this past week one has got in touch connected with wrestling um whether he'll 
he'll um, get back in touch. I don't know. But so, yeah, uh, Ray Winston has got a copy. Um, I was going to say and, if he would play him. Well, that was my idea that sort of if I could get it into the hands of people that I thought could possibly look at it and think, hmm, maybe there's something here. The one guy who I would dearly love to have a copy of it and given the local connection in the fact that he was born and raised in Mortlake, which is literally bang smack next door to Barnes where Chick lived and Mortlake was where my, my dad was, was born and raised, uh, is Tom Hardy. And again, you look at Chick there and you look at Tom Hardy in build and stature and you think that could be possible. That could be possible. That would so, be, uh, I'd be very, I'd be very interested to see something along those lines, Andy, yeah, to be honest. So, so who knows? Uh, I think a question of sort of watch this space, but we'll, we'll be trying our darndest to uh, see if we can twist some arms to somebody to do something with it. Cause yeah, I think the, the book tells tells its own story, but maybe in celluloid, uh, it could tell something different. So yeah, that, oh. that would again that would be fantastic. Uh, that's brilliant. First, well, first the cocktail, then the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's good. You can sip on the cocktail whilst you're watching the movie. No, that's that's very exciting stuff, Andy. I um I really do honestly wish you the, the best with that, and obviously in any way we can, and you know anyone can help with any sort of platform to spread the word of course yeah, absolutely more than happy to do so because that is something we would love to see excellent thank you andy thank you so much for your time pleasure thanks very much wow 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 what once again what a story <laughs> yeah and once again, I've got to thank Andy for his time because he, he was really gracious and literally spared no... Because I, I didn't know. I, I, I kind of almost didn't want to sort of go too much into what was in the book because obviously you need to read the book as well. Like, listen to Andy, is, it's fascinating. But reading the book, I, I did kind of mention it at one point about when you are reading it, it really is like it's taking the life on its own. You can tell where Andy's like, you know, figuring all these things out for the first time that genuine uh, excitement at certain things and an enthusiasm and interest towards, you know, a family member. And you're learning these just amazing things for the first time. And it does translate and come, comes across really well in the book. You do need to read it. Um, boy, what, what a story. What yeah. a story. Yeah, I wonder how many more of that era it's like there is, there's going to be, there's possibly stories about that's and that and I think that is what's daunting. And if it wasn't for Andy, you know, picking up pen and paper and just saying, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna it's on hunches." Most of it, like he said, it's based on on a hunch. They have this tiny bit of information, a tiny nugget of information, or they think maybe there's something to this, and he pursues each one. And there's no doubt that he pursued a lot to a dead end. But mm. you know, if it wasn't for him doing what he's done those stories could, may never have, have come out. And for the families as well, like you were saying about Dorothy and, um, you know, the, the little girl that was saved in the River Thames, 
that um, that uh, you know, and it, it was emotional. I was kind of a little bit, you know, uh, when he when he was explaining it, and I, and I see him get emotional because just imagine that conversation. Like you're speaking to somebody, and and you know they're learning for the first time this about this situation that they kind of they also only knew a little bit about. So understandably, the you know, the mum didn't want to talk about it. No. Uh, obviously, left her you know scarred her, and it, it was really emotional. So it was a really emotional experience. And, you know, you're having this conversation and you're learning about this all for the first time. And it's just, I can't imagine, I, I couldn't imagine what that sort of conversation is like, you know. No. But no. the impacts that he's had, and like I said as well, mate, it's it's just motivated. Like, look at all the things he's done. True. All the things he's done, you know, film work. Uh, he's a wrestler, boxer, champion, and... It, it's it's crazy if if you uh, you know and especially like i said in this day and age and the times we live in at the moment it is incredibly tough for a lot of people but do you know what if if chick can come out of being basically homeless and he's done all of that for himself and i know times were different back then but you know in in many ways things are trickier now but in a lot of ways that we've got it a lot easier than they did you know, back in those days, and if he can make something of himself with with what he had back then, then uh, again, I I think that's it's a rocky story, and I can hundred percent see why uh, Andy would be looking at seeing if that would have some sort of motion picture release. I'd, I'd be really interested to see that. Oh, what do you think about the the Tom Hardy? Yeah, I, um, when he was suggestion. when he was saying it, Tom Hardy came to mind. So yeah, but I'm not sure if that's because I'm not sure if it's because of Bronson or because of. In the pit, the, like, I, like I said to you, the picture, the front cover, looks like uh, Al Capone from uh, Untouchables, and then I remember Tom Hardy has played Capone not too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's yeah. it work. I hundred percent see that. I I can only hope uh, Tom Hardy can you know gets a copy of the book and likes it and, and would want to do something with it because you know there is there's definitely something there. There's definitely something there. You piece together all the all the different life events that's happened. You could 100% make something out of that. And, yeah. and if, you know, he bane, if really... he does a Bane voice, and it's the best movie ever. <laughs> well, let's hope you're not going to be right in it. It is a movie-type story, this. From it is. What, he, what yeah. Andy said. So. It's, it's brilliant. It's awesome. And, and like I said truly inspirational and i love i just love those stories i really do yeah but yeah i, I really hope everybody's enjoyed this one uh, as much as i've enjoyed it and if you have obviously please do hit us with a follow a like subscribe all that good stuff all those gimmicks but all all links and everything is going to be obviously on the youtube video uh, that will be going up obviously if you listen to this and you you listen to the podcast um so we'll be dropping some it just doesn't really they don't work in link format on, on um, podcast platforms. So you can't click on anything. It's just a random assortment of letters and numbers. So, yeah, there is that. But all the links will be there. And if you follow us on social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, they are there also. Andy's kindly provided uh, a lot of the links himself. So please go out, get the book. It's a really good read and a really good price as well. Yeah, you get on it because um, the guy deserves it for this yeah. story. Yes. Otherwise, you will go a haymaker and we're not sure if it's a drink or a punch. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be, yeah. If you if you go out and buy it, you can have the drink. If you don't go out and buy it, you're going to get the finishing move. 
I don't know who could deliver it. It would be me, but my arm hurts, to be honest. Um, Why, what have you been doing? <laughs> I <laughs> hope, you've enjoyed, hope you've enjoyed the episode, everybody. Uh, what we got coming hey, up next? I don't next? want to do that again about the laugh. No, nah, I so can't be arsed anymore. I don't <laughs> like editing. <laughs> what we got coming up next, actually? Well, we're going to be talking about Raw is Poor. With a question mark or without? Are we are we stating that Raw is poor or are we asking the question? Well, seeing as this is probably going to be the first rare word of the day, because this is rarity for this episode, yes, it fucking yeah. is poor. Wow. For the first time ever. Actually, it's not the first time ever. I don't really disagree with you that much on here, I don't think, do I? Uh, listen I should back probably... and... You should, listen, you should actually listen to these episodes you edit. I do, I do, and I edit them. You should listen to it when they go out. <laughs> I listen to them and then don't listen to them ever again. Yeah, that's probably that's the best thing to do. Well, at least I listen that's to them, I, Jay. That's what I, I try to I, do. I don't listen to them until two months later. <laughs> you always do this. When Jay ends up missing an episode, you try and bury him, and you just know that when we all see each other again in person, and it's all three of us, uh, it's going to go down. I'll have to get the camera out and put it on YouTube, won't I? Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got coming up. So that'll be interesting. Very interesting. But yeah, stay tuned yeah. for that one. In the meantime, get on them links, get on the book, London's lovable villain, Andy Scott. And again, massive thank you. Massive thank you. I, to be honest, let's leave it at that. See you next week. No, it's two now. It's a fortnight, mate. It's before... <laughs> what? Bye. <laughs> I did it, I did it for the people, for the people.